<laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to the Horrorcon Lounge Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorcon Lounge. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jeremy, without coffee. Oh, okay. It's just Kristen today because Jeremy just left. So, as you probably know, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the changeling. And dress to kill. Dress to kill. And then Night Swim, which is a... Oh, that's right. Yep. That movie that's out right now. Out currently in theaters. It is a 2024 release with a PG-13 rating. The runtime is one hour and 38 minutes. Currently, it has a 5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. The budget is $15 million. What do you think it brought in at the box office so far? It's only been out, I think, for two weeks. Yeah, I'm going to say, like, maybe $1.5 million. $20.3 million. Wow. You're really bad at this. It's my favorite part of the episode. Wow. <laughs> so That's already exceeded its budget. It, okay, yeah, but I, I think a movie's not considered successful unless it doubles or triples the budget. Yeah, no, I Because, I mean, like, the budget... to do more than that. It, I mean, true, yeah, <laughs> but... Because I don't think the budget necessarily includes, like, all the marketing, which I don't really think there was marketing, really, but, like, I don't know what the budget includes, to be honest. We should look into that. Maybe. I don't know. We'll Maybe see. some marketing, because my mom saw this on cable. She's oh. like, oh, I saw a movie that you might like. It's called Night Swim, so... So, uh, I'm just going to read you the brief little plot summary quick. Forced into early retirement by a... I'm going to try to read it if I can speak. Uh, Forced into early retirement by a a degenerative... There we go, Kristen. Illness. Former baseball player Ray Waller moves into a new house with his wife and two children. He hopes that the backyard swimming pool will be fun for the kids and provide physical therapy for himself. However, a dark secret from the home's past soon unleashes a malevolent force that drags the family into the depths of inescapable terror. So, uh, also, Jeremy, to answer a burning question Uh that you've had, Uh Ayazan Dalabayeva plays Rebecca. Yes, I did find it a couple days later, finally. And you didn't fucking update me? Oh, sorry. Shit, I thought... Okay, all right. The night of the movie, there was, like, no information whatsoever on who played Rebecca, the little girl, who looked super familiar to me. Turns out she wasn't. Anyway. Right? (laughs) um, Yeah. I probably butchered that name, but I did my best to um, sound it out. But it's a lot of letters. So. Jeremy, what did you think about Night Swim? So I liked it. I had it at like an 8 out of 10, 7.5 feet, somewhere in there. I thought it was something different. You know, Hollywood has done a lot of remakes, a lot of just reimaginings of original movies, and they've been lacking at creating new stuff. Until recent, I feel like recently we're finally getting a lot more new content, whether it's good or bad. And this one, you know, I've seen a lot of complaints about it. I've seen a lot of hate on it. Uh, I've seen a lot of disappointment about it. And I just thought it told a fun story. I didn't think it was too long. I, you know, somebody said it was predictable. Maybe. 
but a lot of movies are. So I'm not going to get caught up in that too much. You know, this isn't M. Night Shyamalan looking to throw you a major twist. But it was simple. And, you know, it wasn't super gory. It wasn't super bloody. It was more suspenseful, which is, you know, my type of movie. You're constantly waiting for something to happen. It didn't always happen, but when it did, you know, I felt like it happened at the right points to try and create that jump scare. I don't want to ruin the whole movie, but I love the characters. I love the character development. I thought the family, they did a great job with, you know, each family member telling their own story in a sense while revolving everything around the main retired baseball player secretly wanting to play baseball again when nobody knew that on the outside even if they suspected it i'm sure his wife suspected that he wanted to play again but i don't know i just i liked it yeah um how do i follow that up um not a fan so i i almost passed out on the kitchen floor that's exact i'll well, I'll probably forget it eventually. I'll never forget it. But we were in the kitchen and Jeremy's like, yeah, I gave it. Great. I gave a date out of 10. I almost fucking passed out. I'm like, a, a what? What did you say? An eight out of 10. Um, it was average at best for me. I'd give it like a five out of 10. It's hard because it's fine. I mean, maybe it's a good gateway movie for people getting into horror. It's just... I think my problem is I, I've been setting my expectations too high for some things and I just am disappointed. But you went into that. You're like, I'm not expecting this to be any good. It's almost like you were, I don't know, even before you went into it, you weren't looking forward to this movie. Yeah, because the trailer didn't look great to me. It, my thoughts were like, how much can you do in one location, pretty much? Um it just seemed stale to me almost. I don't know. I, ugh, fuck, fuck me. I don't know. It just, it was okay. You don't have to like everything. Like, we don't have to both like everything. Listen, I'm just going to say, like, this whole episode is going to be me being negative. So, which is fine. I feel like there's going to be a, a lot of negative episodes for me this year. Um because we've got some doozies just based on the agenda i think it's so we've got some doozies coming up for for me especially there's a way that films are made and a style that you don't like there's and i'm also very particular i mean i don't like old movies i don't like black and white movies i don't like zombie movies i don't like foreign films i mean some foreign films i do like but i have to be in the mood like it i i'm difficult it's fine. Um, but I think it's so funny because we were, Jeremy is going to be missing for an episode or two, not next episode. He'll be here next episode, but in the coming up in the future, he'll be missing for an episode or two. And our, uh, one of our guest hosts that I have coming on with me, I sent them a list of movies and I'm like, do any of these strike your fancy? And let me tell you, and they're like, well, I want to find something that we're both passionate about. And I'm like, well, this isn't it because I don't want to watch any of these movies. 
but I have to at some point. So that's why I just like sent them to you. Maybe you wanted to watch one. <laughs> but like literally any of those movies, I'm like, I don't really want to watch. So I don't know what to do. But today's episode, we picked two movies off of my little scratch off poster. Top 100 movies of all time. It says top 100 horror movies. It doesn't say of all time. Uh, but I call, I think I said this last episode too, like I just call bullshit there. I think, I think this was probably a podcast listener that made this poster to market on Amazon of 100 movies I would hate. They, they sprinkled in a few to catch my attention, like Halloween and um, Silence of the Lambs and Scream, like a, a couple ones they sprinkled in. To be like, oh yeah, this would be fun. And then they tricked me. And now I feel like I have to watch these 100 movies. And I'm dreading almost every single one of them. <laughs> but anyways. You're so funny. You're so dramatic. I am dramatic, I know. So which movie are we going to talk about first? We're going to talk about Dress to Kill first. Oh, okay. This is rated R. Came out in... So, a funny thing. Do you know... Now, we just picked two movies off of this list and it turns out these movies have something in common do you know what it is oh. uh, i don't okay both of these movies came out in 1980 oh, okay so we have and i i'm really scared to do this i think i said this on the last episode but like i think a lot of people like both of these movies and i oh, okay we'll see so it's rated r came out in 1980 the genre is thriller crime, and it has a runtime of one hour and 44 minutes. It has a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb and an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. The budget was $6.5 What do you think it brought in at the box office? Um, $21 million. Uh, $31.9 It's probably the closest guess I've had in two months. So... Um, this is my, fr I just took these notes as I was watching the movie and I haven't read back through them. So this well, I'm is curious to hear what you say, because you and I watched this one separately. We watched the changeling together, but we watched this one separately. So we're going to read through my notes and it's probably going to be a disaster, but that's quite all right because this movie was a disaster. So, no, that was really, that was really dramatic. Okay. It was, that was dramatic. So. I will tell you, this movie opens with a five-minute explicit shower scene. <laughs> it is literally a full, full-on titties, and you get vagina too. Yep. Full, full, very explicit shower scene. Uh, and then a guy comes up behind her in the shower and covers her mouth. Then it cuts to a sex scene. So if you didn't get enough nudity in the first five minutes, don't worry. Well, you don't really get more in the sex scene. It's strategic with the... It's implied. You get it. So I think that um, shower scene was her fantasizing. Um, almost like a, a rape fantasy type thing. Because that was not real. No, it was, it was like a dream. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So... Um, but I don't know if she was woken up from the dream because he started having sex with her or if that was her way of trying to have an orgasm. I don't know. Yeah. It, whatever. It didn't matter. But So 
then the mom goes to um the mom is the same girl from the opening scene right is that the mom yes okay uh she goes to talk to her son peter i for some reason i felt it um crucial to write down the son's name but not the fucking main character's name go figure um that scene was really weird at first um they almost imply that they have a very strange relationship he has been pulling all-nighters working on his invention and she keeps telling him to take a break and they're supposed to go to the museum together but he doesn't want to so the main character can you fucking look up what this main character's name yes, is thank you to. god gotta get my shit together you got, yeah, okay. Main character goes to a therapy appointment and tries to fuck her therapist after complaining about the sex she just had. That was really weird. That was just a really weird scene, okay? She then uh, goes to the museum, which feels, this feels like she's at the museum for fucking hours. Kate. Kate, is that the main character's Kate name? Miller. <clears throat> okay, are you sure? It's either Kate or Liz, which one? We don't know. I don't fucking know. We'll see. I name them eventually in the notes. So you'll figure it out. She, so yeah, museum feels like ours. She meets a strange man there. Uh, I think she meets him there. Like, I don't know if this is like prearranged type thing or if she literally met him there. And then she ends up with a taxi, ends up in a taxi with him. She ends up then at his place and they hook up. And she's then, like, snooping through his stuff and finds out he has a venereal disease. Then she panics and leaves. And in this point in my notes, I said, this is the most boring movie ever. Okay. I love when I add those little, those little lines in there that have nothing to do with the fucking movie and just how I'm feeling. This is about when it's about to pick up. It's funny because you're entirely right. Um... So I said, uh-oh, she forgot her wedding ring. <laughs> I literally fucking typed, uh-oh. I cracked myself up. She uh, goes to head back to the apartment. And this bitch gets slashed to death in the elevator by a mysterious blonde woman. There was a witness to this murder. and uh, But the witness, like, picks up the weapon like an idiot. And so she's probably going to be framed. And so then we go back to the therapist office and there is a voicemail being left on the therapist's phone saying they are a woman in a man's body and that they borrowed the therapist razor. And then I quote, but you'll hear all about it. Okay. So it's like almost like a confession-ish voicemail. Like, you'll hear all about what I did with your razor, obviously, because you just killed somebody and it's going to be on the news. But Okay. So then we get a split screen, like half is the therapist listening to messages from Bobby slash the killer again. And then the other half is the killer spying on Liz Blake, who was the witness to the murder. So yeah, Kate was the main character's name. Yes. Okay. okay. So yes, Jeremy, you were right. Okay. Um, I just wasn't sure because they kind of fucking look the same to me. Did they look the same to you? In the movie? Yeah. No, the... not at all. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm just an idiot. One's a prostitute and one's an older lady. They're both blonde. It's fine. Well, the blonde... Well, the second... No. Right? I don't know. The second blonde I thought was the killer. 
then they're all blonde. Okay. Um, so the therapist and Liz are watching the same thing on TV and it's like about transsexuals. It's like, um, almost like a Wendy Williams, Maury Povich type show. It's a good comparison. Yeah. And then we see Liz go to a stranger's hotel room, uh, and she's from an escort service, as Jeremy just mentioned. She is a prostitute. So then... I didn't see that coming. That was kind of an interesting little twist. uh, Liz realizes she's being followed by the killer now. And Peter, who is the main character's son... Well, I guess she's not the main character no more. She's dead. Uh, Kate. Is, was Peter's son from the beginning, stopped Liz from being murdered. He used homemade mace and set up a camera outside the therapist's office to follow the killer. That was an interesting to see how that kind of came about. Well, yeah, because they're on a subway train. First, she's about to get raped by a bunch of men. She gets on the train, and then there's a guy on the train who basically doesn't believe her, and those men come and try and find her, and then he sprays them with the mace, which was really cool. Um, also, but he also like warded off the killer too. Yeah. So Liz goes to the therapist's house with a plan to try to find out who the killer is. And she comes up with Chris Clemens. Uh, so she, she's trying to seduce this therapist. And so she leaves the room. Did she like leave to get changed or something? Like she left to powder her nose. Oh, Okay. The good old powder, powder your nose line. Okay. And then so she sneaks into his office and she's like going through his appointment book to see who the last appointment was of the day. It says Chris Clemens. So she thinks she has it. And while she is inside, Peter is outside. This is like all a setup plan. But someone gets Peter outside. That's just what I wrote. Someone gets Peter. Was he shot? No, he wasn't shot. he was grabbed. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, he was grabbed. He's looking through the window because he sees the doctor doing what he's doing i won't spoil it for you but liz well oh i i'm spoiling shit okay well no i know oh okay i'm saying i won't spoil your recap oh okay because you're afraid to get yelled at yeah it's (laughs) okay uh liz comes back into the bedroom and dr elliot is nowhere to be found but the killer is hiding in the corner kind of like behind the door like so she opens the door and the killer's like kind of in the corner it's dark and it was confusing kind of it's pouring down rain so it was legitimately dark the vibes are the vibes are real eerie yeah. um the the person that quote got peter so the person that grabbed peter also shot the killer question mark question mark question mark so the the killer was shot correct yes okay so i'm like now, who the fuck is outside shooting the killer? Like, what? Because it's obviously not Peter. So it was, like, really confusing at that moment for me. Um, and then the person that got Peter, we find out, was sent from the police office. And then we find out, which Jeremy came upstairs when he was watching the movie. And he's like, there's 26 minutes left. I feel like that was, like, the exact number. Mm-hmm. Uh Something like it was like 26 or 28 he's like and i said oh did you figure like it out yet did you learn anything like what did i say i said something yes, like do you I know knew what's... who it was oh yeah and he's like no and then he fucking walks out of the room and he's gonna say he said something different but listen i did not i hear heard him say no not really no not really i did and then he walked away for sure 
And then a couple of minutes later, I was like, maybe it's the doctor, but I didn't. But he was downstairs at this point. He didn't text me, so it doesn't count. Yeah, I okay? didn't say to her. I don't even know if I said it out loud. I was thinking it, but I didn't have anything from the movie that actually convinced me that that was right. It was one of those, like, oh, maybe this is what it is. So, But it turns out. But it turns out. Dr. Elliot and Bobby the Killer are the same person. This, I feel like, was a a hot take back for the 80s. I agree. I didn't see that coming. Liz and Peter are... So, yeah, that was a big... I was just like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, All right. I didn't... Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, So, it's funny because Bobby the Killer stole the doctor's razor... But it was their razor because they're the same person. Um, so, yeah. Liz and Peter are at lunch talking about the whole scenario. They sh- And it's so funny because they're literally talking about, like, cross-dressers and how um, the uh, bottom surgery works for trans people. And there's, like, a table of old ladies sitting next to them, and it's so funny. Um, then they show Elliot in the mental hospital being tucked in and he strangles the nurse and appears to be stealing her clothes. So then we cut to Liz showering and someone wearing what appears to be nurse shoes breaks in, but she noticed them and carefully tries to get something for self-defense. She's like looking around trying to see, like she's being real careful. Like, okay, I see you, but I don't want you to know that I see you type thing. And then there is a jump scare, and she wakes up from a dream. The end. Anything to add? Yeah, a couple <clears throat> couple of um, things that I really enjoyed. So there's a point in the movie where the doctor who's got the multiple personalities, who is, you know, the therapist and the killer, he actually talks to another doctor. And he's like, I need all your documents on you know bobby blah 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 whatever and the other doctor is really confused and he's like i need it right now i need to i need to know what's going on with bobby i need to get a hold of bobby and it comes out later that the other doctor was like yeah he was actually you know confessing his confessing himself to me because this other doctor knew that bobby was his other personality he even said to him at one point don't you want to know why bobby even came in in the first place and the therapist just kind of runs away so that was something that was an interesting little tidbit and then at the very end that scene where the nurse comes in to tuck him in and he strangles her and steals her clothes all of the um mental health patients are like watching in like a stadium style seating above oh yeah that was weird clapping and cheering and like that was bizarre yeah even for a mental hospital like it was it was really cool but it was really weird so i enjoyed that a lot oh oh hi but um yeah so you i know you said you didn't like the movie what do you what would you rate it like five out of ten really yeah okay it was average okay i would say it's about an eight out of ten for i i'm trying to be like thoughtful with my ratings 
I don't know because looking in the moment I'm like this is awful but looking back like it wasn't that bad there's a lot worse movies out there okay it was so, so it was a slow start but once it got into it I really loved the suspense aspect I love the um development the last like 45 minutes probably was good yeah so I guess maybe that's like half the movie I don't remember a little less than half. Like, the museum part was very boring. Yeah. You know, you're wondering why is she following this guy and trying to make moves on him? Mm-hmm. But listen. then when he tries, she's, like, not allowing him to, almost. And listen, I have no problem with um, nudity or sex scenes or anything like that in movies. But the the five minutes of her just showering and, like, lathering her body was, like, a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, there were some slow points in the movie. I think overall, though, they did a good job of, you know, giving you some suspense, giving you mystery to try and figure out on your own. I love the, you know, Scooby-Doo, whodunit type of thing. And you're definitely, I, I had that feeling throughout a lot of this, trying to piece together some of the clues in a sense. Um, but yeah, no, I'd say it was about an 8 out of 10. It was very slow, but once it got into it, it was really good. So... I would just like to take this time. So we're done with Dress to Kill, correct? Yeah, nothing okay. more for me. So before we move into our next movie, and uh, I'd like to take this moment just to talk to Jeremy on a personal level, and I'm not going to edit this out on the podcast, so enjoy. But you're going to North Carolina next week. Uh-huh. And you, you, I, I was complaining to the listeners. I was complaining about how cold it's going to be <laughs> this week, uh, next week, whatever, same thing, really. Like, I'm talking about, like, as you guys are listening to this probably is like the week I'm referring to. Um, and Jeremy's like, that's fine. Cause I'll be in North Carolina, bitch. He didn't say bitch. I just added that for dramatic flair, but he's like, that's fine. I'll be in North Carolina. And I'm like, fuck, fuck you, bro. Like, that's not cool. Like just whatever. And, uh, my aunt, as we were recording said, I'm saying my, I love you's now. I will probably freeze to death next weekend. And she is in North Carolina and they have temperatures of 17, 15, 19. So it's going to be cold where you are, too. Yeah. Sucks yeah. to suck, buddy. Yep. All right. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. That's actually funny. I I just had to tell you, and I knew if I didn't tell you right now, I would forget. So. Yeah. yeah no, I understood. Fun, fun little off track for you guys. All right. So. So next up is The Changeling. We've got movie number two, The Changeling. Yep. Rated R from 1980. This one is a horror mystery. The runtime is one hour and 55 minutes. It has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. The budget is $6.6 million. What do you think it brought in at the box office? Are you Googling it right now? No. Don't look because that's the website I get the information no. from. Uh, $35 million. $12 million. <laughs> okay, so Jeremy would love to tell you all about the changeling, and I'm not going to interrupt him at all. So I'm going to pass the phone over to Jeremy. There you go. All right. Oh, fuck. I really need to use the restroom, but I don't want to interrupt my dog because they're actually being good for once. Yeah. So That was the end of my notes, by the way. I literally don't have a single thing written down. Yeah, you, you def- we watched this together. Kind of. And you were... Kind of watching, kind of not. You were definitely not into it. But I still scratched it off the poster, guys. Absolutely. And aside from the opening scene, this was another movie that was very slow and felt like it took a good 45 minutes to get into it. I think that's my issue, but this time (coughs) I was already, like, 
lost. Yeah. Like, I, there was no picking me back into it. Like, well, so it starts off pretty wild. Um, you just, the you opening have a, scene was good. Yeah, you have a family, a man, his wife, and child. I don't know if it was son or daughter. Daughter. They, uh, they pull over, they're pushing their car. They, I assume they ran out of gas and they park the car. The father or husband goes into a phone booth and goes to make a call. But while he's in there, you see a car that's speeding and you see a plow truck coming from kind of different directions. And his wife and daughter are just standing there with nowhere to go. And next thing you know, they get clobbered. The end. They're dead. They're dead. <clears throat> John. So then we fast forward and we see John basically moving to Seattle. And John gets this ginormous freaking house and property that's been vacant for a long time. I want to say like 12 years, they might have said in the movie, or 10 years, something like that. But John starts experiencing some health issues once he moves in. He keeps hearing these loud banging noises. The house, you almost get the... If you've seen Rose Red, it's kind of got almost that feel to it. Like there's this power to the house, but, you know, it needed something to kind of open it up. At least that's, that's kind of how I felt from it. So John is a professor at the university and there's a funny scene where he walks into the classroom and there are hundreds of kids in this auditorium. And he's like, this is interesting because only, you know, 20 of you signed up for the class or whatever. So there's either a lot of people skipping or a lot of people all of a sudden want to join in type deal. It then transitions to his house. And he actually has a few students come over to the house to play. And, you know, they do, I don't want to say a symphony together, but just some musical work together. John continues to have weird things happen at the house. At one point, all of the faucets are turned on, which is very strange. He has to turn them all off. And he starts searching the house. He keeps hearing the banging noises, which is falsely deemed to be the furnace making noise, which we all knew it wasn't the furnace. That was just kind of stupid anyway. Um... But he finally finds a locked and boarded up door, which was in his closet, and it leads to a hidden attic, which this attic has cobwebs like you've never seen before. These cobwebs had to be like 12 inches thick. <clears throat> anyway, up there, he sees this room, he kind of walks around, looks around, you're waiting for something to happen. Of course, nothing does. This was a movie much like Dress to Kill, where... Or, sorry, much like Night Swim. A lot of suspense, a lot of build-up, but not necessarily anything happening, per se. So, he finds, of all things, this music box that still works after God only knows how long. And he takes that, brings it downstairs, and it plays the exact tune that he had just recorded on his piano. Which is strange, because he had never heard it before. 
and he's telling this to a young lady that he's become close friends with who helped uh, sell him the house. You, you kind of get the feeling that they're maybe interested in each other. Uh, I don't know that that ever necessarily came out, but... Anyway, the banging, finally one night, <clears throat> we see a red rubber ball fall down the stairs. And that really kind of made the hair on my arms stand up. <clears throat> because you see the ball earlier in his daughter's belongings, it had fallen out of a box. So you know that this red rubber ball belongs to his daughter. So the first thought that's kind of going through my mind is, okay... Did his family's spirits follow him? Are they the ones that are haunting him? Are they the ones that are trying to, you know, get a message to him? He grabs the rubber ball. He drives somewhere and throws it into the water. He gets home. And literally almost as soon as he gets home, the red rubber ball is falling down the steps again. And there it is. So... John has to have a seance and try to figure out what the hell is going on with this house. He has the, I want to say the backstory is provided to him from either the young lady that he's taken a liking to or they go and do some research. I don't remember exactly, but he basically discovers that <clears throat> a crippled, sickly six-year-old boy named Joseph Carmichael was murdered in that house by his father. The <clears throat> There was an orphanage in town, and the idea basically was that the father was not given his inheritance from his father. So the six-year-old's grandfather left everything to the six-year-old and not the father of the six-year-old. So the father basically determined that he needed to kill off the six-year-old to inherit everything. And that's what he does. But where things get fucking wild is he pulls the old switcheroo at the orphanage. The old switcheroo. <laughs> grabs a different six-year-old kid, ships his ass over to the war in Europe somewhere. Gone for years. He comes back home and has no clue that he's been switched. Although later you kind of realize that he did know, but it was just buried down low. But anyway, this this young man become inherits a fortune and really he never should have. It's not his fault, which something they depicted in the movie. They really made this guy out to be the bad person because he's a Republican senator. He's a big wig. Everybody, you know, looks up to him. He's loaded with money. He can pretty much influence anything he wants because of all the money he has. So they make it seem like he's the bad guy. He didn't really do anything. It's not like he killed the kid and then took his spot. He was just kind of put into this spot. But anyway, <clears throat> John has to kind of figure out what happened to the little boy throughout this entire 
movie from the seance basically to the ending. He doesn't have to, but he takes it upon himself because somehow the little boy had reached out to him. Again, it gave me that rose red feel where the house needed that right person to open up and spill its secrets. They end up at a house down by like a river and the house has a well in it, which is where the boy, the original six-year-old boy was buried. We find that out because the house owner's mom has a daughter who's having really crazy weird dreams getting pulled into her room and she can see this little boy laying in the well through the floor. John asks to dig up the floor. The mom says, I'll think about it, but she's very hesitant. The daughter has another crazy dream, and the next thing you know, here we are again. The mom's like, fuck it, dig up that floor, what's down there? Something's wrong. Excuse me. John digs up the floor, they find the boy's bones, the remains. But the police does not find the necklace to prove that it's the kid. John goes back later, he breaks into the house, he goes back down there. He's digging, he's digging, he's digging, can't find it. By the will of God, all of a sudden, it kind of gets pulled to the surface. There's just that little sparkle that John catches out of the corner of his eye. Boom, there's the necklace. Now he's got the proof. But he's not going to talk to the cop because the cop is the new boy's, like, right-hand man. They basically won't let anything happen to the senator. So John goes and confronts, confronts the senator himself while he's getting into a helicopter. He shows him the necklace, the senator. You can see the expression on his face that he's panicked, like, I know what that is. How do you have that? Why do you have that? He thinks that John is trying to blackmail him for his money. The police come. They question John. They're trying to get a search warrant because they want this necklace. They just they want it to be done. They don't want him blackmailing John doesn't want to blackmail anybody. He's just trying to, you know, get this boy to have his peace. So John <clears throat> gets summoned by the senator and speaks with him face to face. He tells the senator the entire story. Senator, of course, doesn't believe him or at least leads you to believe that he doesn't believe him. John leaves everything that he has. He says, I've done my part. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I don't want to keep living this way. Senator has a heart attack because he's wearing his chain the whole time, which, of course, has a wrong name on it. <laughs> his name. And he has a heart attack and dies. John and I don't remember that girl's name that he took a liking to. They go back to the house. The house catches on fire. And you see, actually, the senator going up to the attic to find the son that was, you know, left there for dead. And John and Claire get out of the house. They drive away. And really, the, the mystery has been resolved and everything has kind of been put to peace. And the movie just comes to an end. Like I said earlier, to me, this had a really, really rose red feel to it. That that explains so much. It, you know, if you've if you've not seen Rose Red, it's something I've been trying to get Kristen to watch. And I know but, she might okay, struggle so with it. I was just going to say, like, 
you're very wishy-washy on it because like <clears throat> you want me to watch it but you also tell me like you're probably not gonna like it so good luck <laughs> it's a very long movie and it's slow and you know if you haven't seen rose red i don't want to ruin it it was a stephen king miniseries but Anyway, the premise is there's this house that's got... Did we ever do Storm of the Century on here? I think we did talk on our Stephen King episode, yeah. I don't think we did it in depth. I think we kind of touched on it. But anyway. um, Yeah, because I remember I was talking about it because I ranked it, like, lower than you did. And I was explaining it because you never told me that you ranked it. And then we were like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to hear you describe it. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That's not how this is supposed to work. Yeah. Um... You know, it was with Rose Red. It's a it's a house that has a power, but it needs the right person to kind of open up and spill out its secrets. And that's a lot what this movie felt like to me. Obviously, this was made well before Rose Red. So I'm not saying it, you know, ripped off the idea or anything. Just that's kind of the feel I got. I thought it was a really, really good movie. The something that stood out to me was the score. The music, a lot like Halloween, where you had small pieces of just sound effects, but you also had creepy organ-type music throughout. The score was good. And it just, it built up that suspense, kind of made the hair on your arm stand up. I know Kristen's going to disagree with me on this one, but I actually had this at a 9 out of 10. I thought it was a really good movie. Really good. Once you got past the slow stuff at the beginning... I was, I couldn't turn away and, I mean, you were here with me. You saw I was into it, so I'm surprised you're surprised. Okay, but, okay, I think Jeremy is being very, very lenient with all of his rank, like, his ratings. Because, like, do you realize you you rated The Thing 9 out of 10? That's your all-time favorite movie. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Close enough. Like, I. This was a good movie. They both were. Wow. Actually, all three of them were. Great. I'm great. I'm glad you're happy. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, I give it a four out of ten. Oof. Yeah. Uh, haters can send their hate comments to horrorconlounge at gmail.com. <laughs> or you can find us on Instagram at horrorconlounge. Or you can join our Facebook group, the Horrorcon Lounge. And we also have the Horrorcon Lounge podcast, which isn't really active. I don't post there because no one freaking joins it. So join it and then I'll post more, okay? Yeah, I uh, think everybody in there is in the group anyway. So that's what I'm saying. That's, that's why I don't post it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's all the same people. So, yeah, not great. But I got two scratches done off my poster. How many does that... I mean, we have done, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22. I've got 22 out of 100 movies scratched off. That's over 20%. Yeah, and the rest is... 22%. You know, I'm being dramatic when I say all of them sound bad. I'm. A lot of them are very old. A lot of them are foreign films. A lot of them are zombie movies. It doesn't leave a whole lot of options for me to enjoy. So fingers crossed for It Follows and Babadook. <laughs> Let's hope those are real fucking good, okay? Um, so that was The Changeling and 
uh, kind of spoiler-free. Did we spoil Night Swim? I don't think I didn't. At no, least, okay. I didn't say anything about it specifically. Okay, I was like, because whoops, we weren't supposed I would to love do that. To, but I don't want to ruin it in case it's so new. So well, no, oh, still, that's so. what I'm saying. We weren't supposed to spoil it, but yeah, um, yeah. and then Dress to Kill. So those were the movies for this week. Now, if you are listening to this, I'm going to ask the listeners message me, which. Usually it's like literally only Bob and Scott that message me. So like Noah, Bobby, Abby, whoever else Dwayne is listening, message me, answer the question. Do you guys like when I tell you the movies in advance or do you like it to be a surprise? Let me know what you think. Because what do you think? Should we tell them in advance what we're doing next week? That way they can kind of watch if they well, don't already I know. Say, I love the fact that, and it's, it's that, up to you guys ultimately, not Well, me. right, you're right. But I like the fact that if you've never seen it before and you're, you know, looking Because we do, like, fucking something. heavily spoil them. Yeah. So, like, now some people, I like listening to, like, movies that I know I'm never going to see. I like listening to podcasts that heavily spoil them. But, like... If maybe there are movies that you want to see, like, do you want to know in advance? Not, I don't know. Let me know. But with that being said, we tell you guys that way you can have like a week to watch them and get caught up if you want to. If not, that's fine, too. Um, But next week we are doing a double feature of the same movie. I'm excited about this one. Kind of. I'm so excited, too. Uh, to be fair, I've only seen one of the movies. I'm not going to tell you which one. Probably because I suggested it, but still. Jeremy doesn't have a lot of input on this show, guys. So when I let him, him run with an idea, he just gets real excited, okay? Yep. So, <laughs> just, that was so mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He can give me ideas when he wants to. But normally he just doesn't care. He's, he like, he's very easygoing, so he doesn't care. Um. But next week we are watching the When a Stranger Calls and When a Stranger Calls. <laughs> so you're looking for When a Stranger Calls from 1979 and When a Stranger Calls from 2006. So those are your two movies for next week. And they are two very different movies. I'm, I watched one. I'm very excited to watch the other. So... I can't wait to see what they have in store. Now, another thing, I know we are mostly a horror convention-ish podcast, um, but we watched also recently a movie called Anyone But You. Mm -hmm. Very fucking good. Yeah. Um, Dermot Mulroney is in it, who was in the newest Scream. Yep. So shout out to Dermot Mulroney because... He was great. Um, but yeah, you guys should watch that too if you want a good laugh. It's funny. So I, I do, and Jeremy, this was your idea too. You mentioned wanting to do some movies other than horror once in a while. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll bring that in eventually too. Okay. Well, so, sorry, sorry, people. <laughs> uh, so that being said, please don't forget to... Rate and review on whatever platform you're listening on. Follow, subscribe, download the episodes. It all helps so, so much. Share with a friend, you know, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, wherever you want to share. Follow us on Instagram at Horrorcon Lounge. Those are all things that you can do for free to help support us. And we really, really, really appreciate it. And we will see you next week for When a Stranger Calls Double Feature. And we... 
one last note. We're closing in on conventions coming back up, kicking up hot and for real fierce. I so I wrote down the calendar for the next like two months, and I'm surprised at how many episodes were filled in already because of conventions. Yep. So, so I'm like, yikes, we don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> so if you haven't started saving your money, save your money and make sure to let us know where you're going to be so that we'll see you if we're out and about. And we will do an episode February 26th. So I know that, I mean, I know that's so far away, but your February 26th episode will be all of the conventions coming up in March. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which is a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why we're doing a whole episode on it. So, I mean, we'll probably squeeze in a movie or something, too. But And we're going to try and squeeze in another ranking episode here shortly, right? It, that's on the docket. I'm still waiting to hear from our guests, but it's. I think that one's scheduled for the 19th of February. Oh, it's coming. All right. I'm still waiting to hear back from him because I also gave him the option. We... So, like I said, we have our guests picked out. We had our franchise picked out. Mm -hmm. So I gave him the option. Do you want to do this franchise mid-February or do you want to do our March ranking episode with us? Oh. So. Okay. Just haven't heard back from him. Maybe he's going to bail. Who knows? I doubt it. I know. People are busy. I get it. But, all right. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next Monday. Bye.